Amen. And I am humbled by having the ability to stand before you here tonight. And, and I do believe that I have a word from the Lord. Of course, I always believe that. <laughs> I don't have that problem of whether it's coming from the Lord or not. So, so I know that uh, at least one person is going to be ministered to tonight, but perhaps there's enough here for everybody. I have a number of verses uh, to go through, then I'll tell you my thought, and, uh, and then we'll just see what God wants to do. How about that? Amen. We start out in uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 24. It says, when Nahor had lived 29 years, he became the father of Terah. Thank you. I'm used to doing it myself, so if I have to give you a signal, uh, Brother Horn, just let me know. Uh, and after he became the father of Terah, Nahor lived 119 years and had other sons and daughters. When Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Nope, I didn't do the... But yeah, back. This, because I wanted to leave this... this at this particular juncture right here, I wanted to ask the elders in the church and, and you know, Brother Moss and Brother, Brother Beers, Beersley, James, and, and Stephen, because of your background, uh, does that mean that at 70 years old that uh, Terah became the father of triplets? Because it does say at 70 he became the father of. So does that mean that he married into a, a, a family some kind of way and picked up some children, you know, in addition to who he may have fathered? You know, multiples run in the family. Shem was a multiple. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. You know, Noah's triplets. <laughs> Amen. Okay, enough of that. Let's go. Uh, this is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. And I'm just going to run right on through these, Brother Nick. Uh, Haran died in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldeans, while his father... Terah was still alive. No, I did the, I did the, yeah. So the land of, of, uh, of Haran's birth is Ur. That's where he, and he died there. So, so see, there's something going on that, that I'm, I'll be trying to see if I can bring it out a little later, but let's continue on. And Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Stop. Does that mean that this Haran, who was the father of uh, Milcah and Iscah, was not the father of Lot? It was a different Haran? Interesting, isn't it? You would think that 
he should have mentioned Lot there too, right? Now, who's doing the speaking here that's telling this story? It's God telling the story. God is speaking it to Moses. Moses is the writer of Genesis. And so Moses is not on the scene yet. He doesn't come on the scene until Exodus chapter 2. And so, so God is giving dictation to, to Moses to write this, but he doesn't detail whether or not Milcah and Iscah are the brother and slash or sister, depending on who Iscah is, of Lot. Okay, we're going to keep on going. I've got, I think I have your attention. But Saray was barren. She had no children. Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Saray, and his, son's, his son Abram's wife. And with them he set out for, from Ur of the Chaldees to go to Cana. When they came to Haran, they settled there. Just hold that for a second. Now, God is up to something because it is well known that God came to Abraham at the age of 75 when he was dwelling in Haran. God came to him and asked him to leave his family, and all of those there, and go to a place where he was going to show him, and God was going to make him a mighty nation. And, and so see, here we see, we see God uh, having an impact, some kind of way, something's going on. In Ur of the Chaldees, uh, Haran dies. Haran is one of uh, Terah's sons. And so what's happening is, they're packing up and getting out of Ur. And in fact, not only are they getting out of Ur, but it looks like they're supposed to go to Cana. But then when they got to Haran, and, and this is uh, another one of my questions that I'll end up asking God, is when you stopped at Haran Tira with the initial intent of going to Cana, did you name that place where you stopped Haran after your son? You see, I have all these questions, and you know, you know, we're supposed to meditate on the word day and night, and so. So we may not have the answer, but that doesn't mean we can't ask the question of God, and you know. And he hasn't given me some devastating secret about it all, but I, I'm trying to fellowship with the word and understand what's going on. And it seems to me this is kind of a, a tight-knit family. It seems to me that Terah was looking after his, his remaining sons and got out of Ur of the Chaldees and was on his way to Cana and stopped and dwelt at Haran, which is, if you do the history of it, in fact, one version of the Bible, I believe it's the, the Amplified, says that he stopped 550 miles from Cana. That's where Haran is. And so, 
What do I know? I'm just trying to follow it in the scripture. I'm not trying to go by tradition. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to see what's God doing? What's he up to? I, you know, my, my curious hat is on. God, what are you doing? And you're dealing with this family here and they're a tight-knit group and so on. And so here they go. So last verse in 11, please, 32 says the lifetime of Terah was 205 years and he died in Haran. Now I want to take a, a moment and stop because we're headed down to, to, uh, to look at the invitation from God for Abraham to leave his people and we know he did that at 75. But uh, Terah was 70 when he became the father of Abram so if Abram is 75, Terah, his father, is 145. You see, I'm just trying to put the math together. Any mathematicians in the house, you know, we, we, try to, we try to put this together so we can understand the impact. And he's still around because he didn't die till he was 205. And so he's going to be around an additional 60 years. When Abraham is 75, he's going to be around an additional 60 years, and so now we go into verse, excuse me, chapter 12, and we look at the next little segment that deals with, with this topic, and it says, now the Lord said to Abram, go out from your country, your relatives and your father's household, to the land that I will show you. Then I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that I will exemplify excuse me, so that you will exemplify divine blessing. I will bless those who bless you, but one, excuse me, but the one who treats you lightly, I must curse, and all the families of the earth will be blessed, will bless one another by your name. So Abram left just as the Lord had told him to do, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they left for the land of Cana. They entered the land of Cana. And now what is happening is God has asked him to leave this segment of his family. So you're going to split from Nahor, your brother, and Milcah, his wife, Abram. I want you to leave them there. I want you to leave Tira. You know, leave them there and let's go. I'm going to show you a place where I want you to go and I'm going to bless you there. I'm going to multiply you there. I'm going to keep you there. I'm separating you from your family. So we, we see this taking place. Next verse, please, I believe it's Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. And the Lord said to me, next verse, please, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I chose you. He's talking to Jeremiah. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And then the final set of verses from Revelation chapter 
13, verse 7 says, The beast was permitted to go to war against the saints and conquer them. He was given uh, ruling authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. And all those who lived on the earth will worship the beast, everyone whose name has not been written since the foundation of the world in the book of the life belonging to the lamb who was killed. And now the title. Handpicked by a meticulous planner. Handpicked by the meticulous planner. It comes to me that, that God and I had interaction, not of my knowing, but of his knowing before he placed me in my mother's womb. I don't know about those things, but I know that God wanted Tira's family to head to Cana. And I know that Tira was on his way to Cana and stopped and, and dwelt in Haran. He did not go as far as his original intent was. And I would say to this church body that sometimes God gives us more than we can handle. It does not mean we cannot accomplish it, but it does mean that we cannot get it done by ourselves. God knows who we are. If he says to Jeremiah, before I placed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I know who you are. I, I called you a prophet before I placed you. I want you to know that a God that does this kind of planning is not making a mistake with you or I. This God has a plan and it's meticulous. It has moves all over the place. He knows exactly how he placed you and you're supposed to be here at this time. It is not a mistake. Life is not just happening to you or I, but we have a purpose designed by God because God is the one who knew me before he placed me, and it's my job to make sure I understand who this God is so that I can get it done, that which he has set for me to do. And I'm going to tell you, There's something about that family. See, you follow this family through Genesis. And you'll find out that when Sarah dies at 127 and, and Isaac is all depressed and, you know, and Abram says to his, his servant, I want you to go back to Haran, to my people, and get a wife for my son. 
Put your hand under my thigh and vow to me that you're going to do what I say. And if they refuse when you get there, well, you're free from your vow. But you go to my people and you get a wife for my son. And not any of these around here. Now, I'm not pointing a finger at those in the land of Cana, the young maidens and so forth and so on. But you understand Abram wanted a sure thing for his son. He didn't want just any mate for his genealogy, for his family. He wanted them to, to he wanted to know for sure. He said, you're going to go to Nahor's seed. You go to Milcah, you know, and, and you see, uh, and they find Rachel because Bethul is there. And then there's Laban and Rachel. And so, I mean, it's not Rachel, Laban and Rebecca. And so uh, there's Rebecca, and the Lord presents Rebecca, and she accepted. You know the story. This is not something new that I'm giving to you. But so Rebecca becomes Isaac's wife. But I want you to know that, that when Jacob... And Esau came along, and Esau married some of the ladies from, from that region there. And she said when it came to Jacob, who was Rebekah's favorite, she said, you send him back up to my people, and you get a wife for him from there, not none of these Canaanite women. Hey, let's, get, let's be real about this. It must have been something that they saw that they knew was less desirable. And they didn't want that in their offspring. See, this family is saying, you're going to marry right, you're going to raise your kids right, you're going to take care of your own, you're going to look after one another. You're going to be a family. And I'm telling you, God selected the family. With all the ills that we see going on, all through the ages and years, you realize that God wanted in my day to have a people called by his name. God also wanted the natural seed of Abraham, and so he selected Abraham to be the father of his natural earthly seed, and they still exist today. God looked at Terah and said, head to Cana so that Stan Seth can recognize that there's an Israel. How you like God now? See, this Savior can get it done. I'm trying to tell you, in case you don't know who you are, in case the chips are down, in case there's some ambiguity in your life, that God's got your plan. God knows your name. God is not confused by the circumstances that you face. God, in fact, placed you knowing those circumstances would one day exist. And he still placed you. He still separated you. He still called you. God has his hand on you more than you know.
Now, I'm talking to a community of churches tonight. And I'm talking to you how we all got fathered here by the Beardsley Sr. I'm talking to you about an altar that has caught my tears in this place. I am not ashamed of what God has done in this place. In fact, I hold it up because I was born here. I love Newark UPC. It's the er of my Chaldees, if you will. But then God separates, God multiplies, God plants a seed so that more can know this God. He does it so more can know. And when he separates us, he expects us to multiply. Now let me give you an example. It's gonna, hopefully it blows some of your mind, but some of you from Wilmington, y'all know this. But when God did the things that he decided to do with Abram, he increased him. He multiplied him. In fact, by Genesis chapter 14, Abram had 318 fighting men that could go chase four or five kings to go get Lot back. Do you understand that if each of those fighting men had wives, that's 636, and if they had one child, that's another 318 if they had one in a time where there was no birth control. So in Abram's camp, they came from Abram's camp. You want to tell me how in two chapters God done multiplied this man? He's, a, he's over a 1,000 in his community, and it's his. How do you like God now? When I talk to you, when I find the purpose of God, I'm going to increase. I can't not increase. I'm not preaching prosperity doctrine. It will accumulate to me as I'm in the will of God, fellowshipping with my identity and my purpose set forth for me by a meticulous planner. I can't go wrong. I've got a sure thing. Find my relationship with God, get in his will, fellowship with that identity, and live. And everything else will be history. Let me tell you the mindset of Abram. Later, Abraham. Here's how how with expectancy Abraham is. Because when we get to Genesis chapter 18 and he's interceding with the Lord on behalf of Lot, you know, he knows what his camp looks like. But he said, okay, well, Lot got captured 
in Genesis chapter 14. So I'll give him a couple of chapters. He ought to have multiplied to 50 by now. <laughs> he ought to at least have told enough to convert 50, Brother Fobert. Surely there's 50. Well, you, I know there's 50 inside them, God. Are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? Are you going to, for the save of 50? And then he, the Lord said, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, well, oh, look, I'm taking up a conversation with the Lord. How about if there, it lacks five? How about if there's only 45 in the city? Lot was supposed to multiply in the city. He was supposed to fellowship with his identity in his relationship with God. He was supposed to be everything he's supposed to be. How come God separated him? He's supposed to know what his purpose is. And if he's doing that, he's going to increase. And Abraham fully expected his nephew, who comes from good stock, to be able to multiply and save that city. But it wasn't so. I say this to say to you that God has ordained these things. But Tira never got to Cana. You know, there's a people that will be consumed by their culture. There's a people that, that well, I, I put it, I, I say it to my sons this way. I said, you know what, you have friends that are not in the Lord, they're supposed to be like you, not you like them. I tell my grandson, and I tell my granddaughter, she's five years old, she's starting to act like some of those other, I said, what you doing? They're supposed to be like you, not you like them. Don't you go adopting the, the things from this culture. Don't do it. You understand this, this thing, what God is counting on? You know, and, I, and, and, and God says this in Genesis chapter 18. He says to the angels that are with him, shall I hide from Abraham this thing that I do? Seeing that Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Then he says, why? He says, for I know him that he will command his children after him to keep the way of the Lord and then I will be able to give him the promise that I promised him. Your promises are contingent upon your ability to convince them that they're going to keep the way of the Lord. You have promises. But God fulfilling those promises are based on your ability to keep the way of the Lord. Your ability as God extends his hand to you and says, I promise you, and we think that comes at no cost, when in fact God is saying stay separate, stay focused, 
fellowship with your relationship with me. You get, you get a hold of your identity of who I am, and you understand that you're my child, and these things are going to work out just fine for you. And that's why I read Revelations chapter 13, because we see in uh, Revelations chapter 13, verse 7, that in the last days, Satan is going to have the ability to make war with the baptized in Jesus' name filled with the Holy Ghost crew. Because it says saints. When the scripture says saints, it's not confused about who's saved and who's not. Saints are saints. We sang the song, baptized in Jesus' name. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I spoke in tongues when the Holy Ghost came. But you can still be overcome by the enemy if you want a fellowship with the culture. You want to know why the promises that come from your parents are not working well for you? Check your walk. Are you letting down somewhere? Oh, hallelujah. See, I'm preaching to the church. <laughs> I said to our church family just within the last week, oh, I'm going to make it. <laughs> There's no question. I'm, I'll die before I not make it. This little culture of thine, it's not going to shine. <laughs> you see, it, it's time for, for the children of God to recognize Satan wants to do battle with you, so gear up and do battle. Don't be those that are going to be overcome. He's going to be given power to overcome some of the saints. Okay, if this is the, this is, well, the right side is the right side. The left side, let's just say that's the other side. You know, that's the not right side. How about that? And so let's say if you decide to walk right, you're going to be all the way over here. You're going to be on the right side. But if you can be persuaded to walk on both sides, at your own peril, I say it like this. I'm not raising up any soft Christians. You choose that side. We're going to see where to let the cards fall where they may. Been at this too long to change how I think. I don't even want to watch my words anymore. I'm just going to let it all come out. I don't want to offend anybody, but you might be offending me if you're not walking right. <laughs> By the way, this is one thing I know. If I mess up and make a mistake, I know I'm going to repent because I'm going to make it. Oh, by the way, if I mess up and, and it becomes your detriment, just keep in mind that 
God is going to forgive me. So I'm not trying to be callous with my mistakes, but I'm not going to be so cautious that I make a mistake. And sometimes we just have to dig in. (laughs) You're not going to take Philadelphia with a prayer. You are not. Philadelphia has to fall by prayer and walk and God. You have to get it all together. You have to put on the whole armor of God. And you got to walk right, talk right, act right, be right, do right, be bold right. And Philadelphia will fall. I was saying to to our congregation this past Sunday, Brother Beersley, senior, that I was having a dream. And in my dream, I was feeling the presence of the Lord, and and I see two individuals coming my way. And they're coming. And see, I have this thing that I say. If a devil wants to come at me, well, then then I'm going to come at him too. See, this blood doesn't run. So I geared up, and Brother Ross, I I did like this. I had my hand out like this, and they were coming, and I was getting ready to reach out, and as I was reaching out, I said, in Jesus' name, something moved me, and they were gone. This was in in the vision. I still don't know what it was, but I know they didn't want to mess with in Jesus' name. And sometimes we have to understand that the devils in our community, they're afraid of Jesus. But they don't want you to know it. They want to dog you and not get you thinking right. But what I'm trying to say to you is, Philadelphia's not going to fall with just praying. There's got to be some behavior going on. There's got to be a holy presence going on. There has to be, let me step up into the arena, so to speak, and let's see how this goes going on. Missionaries can't wait to get on site. (laughs) And nobody's perfect. But I swear, sometimes Christians don't have enough dog in them. We just sit back and take in anything. I'm like, come on, snap out of it. Come on. Come on, because see, we're supposed to be the movers and the shakers. You see, we were appropriately placed by a meticulous God. And he didn't place us so we could shirk back. I don't see that in this generation. You see, I'm first generation Pentecostal. So I, I grew up fighting and, and you know, and everybody gonna pick up the dukes and all of this and that kind of. So see, so see when the fight comes on us, you know, the last thing you do, even if you can't beat them, is you don't run. You know? And I tell people all the time, I say, okay, if Jesus said turn the other cheek, why did he weave a whip? 
If you want to know when to weave a whip and when to turn the cheek, you got to be connected to Jesus. He knew when to weave the whip and when to turn, when to say turn the other cheek. And for me, he's got to, he's got a, okay, I need a confirmation. You want me to turn the other cheek, Lord. <laughs> Am I the only one? Am I the only one? Did you tell him the fox story, Brother Beersley? The fox over at your place? Sunday night, I'm doing my weekly drop-off with Brother Beersley, and, and he's standing outside, and we're, we're talking, you know, and I'm in the truck. He's standing out at my window. My window's down. We're just talking, and, and he, look, he says, is that a fox? He goes. <laughs> I'm like, you want to get in the truck? He's not listening. So what do I do? Yeah, exactly. I got out of the truck and I said, where, where is he? What? <laughs> we, you know, I figured, you know, he's thin, I'm heavy, he's a little older, so it might be, it'd have to make his choice of what it wants to do. <laughs> but what we're not going to do is run. Because it was over there by the door where he goes into the thing. Right? That's where I get it from. <laughs> God knew what kind of pastor to give me, so I would, I would feel okay when I every now and then feel roguish. <laughs> He's got a little gangster in him. <laughs> That's why I love him and pray for him. Going to take care of my pastor. Hello? If somebody's going to get bit, it's going to be, we get ready to have ourselves some episodes here. <laughs> I know. You kept walking toward us. <laughs> did, did, did I yell? Did I say, ah, like that? <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> anyway. Got a little sidetracked there. But I am properly placed by a meticulous planner. And you too. This is not exclusive. This is for you. We're supposed to get this done. God, he's the one. The word implies it. It says it. The latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. If you believe that as many theologians do, that he's talking about the reigning of souls coming into the kingdom, I'm trying to tell you that we've got something that's on our docket. We have to not be quiet. And that's where we get attacked. You know, it's hard to witness. It's, I don't feel like, well, you learn. 
Go make some mistakes witnessing, and so you can learn how to witness. You got to get it done because the latter rain is supposed to be greater than the former rain. God is expecting a harvest of souls in this end time revival, and He's not afraid of any city. Oh, He's not afraid of any politician. He's not afraid of any police force. He's not afraid of any official. God is not afraid. And this blood doesn't run. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Kick back in the lazy boy and put on Netflix? Are we going to come here and get this job done for the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you called to the kingdom for such a time as this? I am. I am. We're in a season of soul winning right now. All the forces, the spiritual forces are pointed to winning souls. They're favorable for soul winning right now. All of the mechanisms are in place. All of the classes and the teaching and all of those things that you've learned and are learning that, that have been put in place just so that you can open your mouth and give glory to God in the presence of someone who doesn't know him. And we have to become skillful at witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ. We must do these things. Otherwise, we're going to be like Tira and never make it to Cana. I wonder, I don't know the answer to this, but if Tira was supposed to make it to Cana, he had 550 miles to go and he said, it's enough. So the Lord said, well, I'll call your son. I'll call your son. I don't know if he said that or not. I know he called him. I know he did that, but I don't know if it would be Father Tira versus Father Abraham. I do know that the Israelites were supposed to go into the promised land, and because they wouldn't go in, the Lord took their children in. I know that. God's not letting the family off the hook just because the senior won't go forth. Ooh, I stepped in it then. I stepped in it then. Brother Beersley, I aim to see 50. I aim to see it. I don't care if there are 50 Bible studies. I ain't even see that then. I'm going to see 50-something. <laughs> see, because the, the word has been planted. Cana was planted in the family. And let me tell you another part, how wise that family was. God looked at Cana and said, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full, but it's going to fill up. And I'm going to displace those that are inhabitants in the land with my people. 
I'm going to displace them. I wonder if Tira and Abraham could see the wickedness as it was growing back towards the state of the world like in Noah's day. I wonder if God said, I'm going to get out in front of it this time. I'm speaking to the elders now that know the word. I wonder if God was saying, I'm cutting this one off at the pass. Abram, you're 75, leave your people, leave them. They got stuck. They got stuck in Haran. You leave them. You leave them. By the time Abram got into the land of Canaan, looked around and said, well, I know Milka's group is better than this group. Let's go, go to Milka. Go to Milka's grand, granddaughter and get one of her granddaughters for my son. I know Rebecca said, go to my brother Laban and get a wife for, my, for Jacob. What did they see? This culture. Is this touching home with anybody? Is this, is this helping you with some insight that God, this meticulous, I mean, extremely meticulous to be out in, so far out in front of it that he's going to bring it about. The only thing close in the earth that I've seen that comes this close is senior Bible quizzing, dissecting that verse. <laughs> the precision. I love my Savior. And I'm telling you, I mean to possess the gate of my enemy. And I'm not talking about a human being. I mean to possess the gate of my enemy. And I, you know, it's best if you, if you know me, it's best to put some distance between me and you if you don't sign up for this because I've got a laser-like focus. It's on the field. And it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. And this blood doesn't run and I'm not backing up. I'm not backing up. There's no quitting this. And these things we must do on purpose because you see God called us to this. He called us to it. And that's why we have a community that we're fellowshipping like we do now because this is not something that you don't understand what I'm saying to you here. You subscribe to this kind of thinking. And just because it's hard doesn't cause you to shirk away. Just because it's a little, you know, The difficult things we do immediately, the, the impossible takes a little while longer. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean it won't be accomplished. We're going to do the hard things and let the cards fall at the feet of the master. He's the meticulous planner. God will save me. God will save me. He will do that. He will do, I believe that. I believe that. 
and I want you to believe it too. Lord, we thank you so much for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord. God, we honor you in this place. Yes, God, we see your hand in this earth, Lord. We know that there's an Israel because of what you did way back then, what we read in Genesis 11 and 12. We know, look at you, Lord. Look at your greatness, oh God, hallelujah. Look at what you have accomplished, Lord. And yet so much more since then, Lord. God, we honor you, Lord. We honor you, Lord Jesus. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus.